This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Uh, I want to get into the Word of God today. Uh, like I said, uh, for the for just for a few weeks, we took a break from the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, as I was just sharing what God had put in my heart for the beginning of this year and for this season that God wanted us to hear as a church community. And last week, it was powerful. Amen. God spoke to us in a powerful way. And if you'd missed last week's message, I encourage you to go and listen to it on the YouTube channel. Uh, but today, I kind of wanted to uh, kind of continue you, but uh, not really on the same topic, but I wanted to talk about worship uh, and how important that is in us as a church going into this year and how much importance I am going to give to worship and how much I want us as a church community to give to worship. Uh, I want to title my message this, this morning, Uncommon Worship, Uncommon Worship. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, it's on days like this that God literally tests me and tests all of us to see if our worship is rooted in our circumstances. Uh, trust me, nothing of this was planned. We didn't plan to have glitches on our screen. We didn't plan for our screen not to work. Uh, in fact, our team did everything they can, okay? These are moments that we should appreciate our team. Can we put our hands together and appreciate our production team for all their hard work? I just saw how they were sweating it out, making sure that they were doing everything in their their capacity to make sure that we have a presentation today. But days like this happen where over the last year we had no issues and a day like this happens where we don't have any lyrics and you're probably standing there and like, I wish I, I knew the words and I saw some of y'all picking out the words on your phones and I saw some of y'all like uh, tuning into that, that app. What, what is that app called? Somebody was there on it. Where Shazam, where you could be like, tell me what this song is and then the lyrics come up. So you guys were prepared for this moment, amen? But it's in days like this that God challenges me to tune out the distractions of the words that come randomly on the screen and, you know, the, 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 the beautiful graphics that usually work don't work and, and, and things that should happen that, that facilitate our worship process doesn't really fall into place. What then happens? Because for us, sometimes worship becomes so common. And worshiping God and praise becomes so common that there's a script there is a way, there is a certain order, there is uh, certain things that need to happen at a certain amount of time. Uh, at this point in time is when the first song starts. Some of us know it at the back of our hand. We say, hey, it's okay, we could get there at 10.05 because the first song doesn't start till 10.05. They, you know, they spend some time just like getting people in and some of you others, you've timed it perfectly for the first song to be done. You're like, uh, the first song is always a fast song. It's the song that they want everybody to lift their hands and jump up and down. You know, we're not that kind of a people, so we'll slow roll in at 10 15 because that's where the slow songs start you know that's where we can get our mood set in that's where we can you know lift our hands that's cute worship that's when cute worship begins and you know we can get our, our our worship on after the praise people are done with their part but if you know something about our church praise and worship is every song amen we just praise every song and and you know so so sometimes we have it down to a t like we, we expect things to happen. It becomes so common. In fact, there is, 
There's something called the Book of Common Prayer. And for many of you who grew up in a very traditional church, you know what the meaning of the word the Book of Common Prayer is, and it's a name given to a number of related prayer books that's used in traditional Christian churches. Uh, and, and it was started back in the reign of King Edward VI of England, and uh, it was a product of the English Reformation. And, and as the church began to take roots, it was something that they had to put in place. It was a prayer book of sorts that included the complete form of service for daily Sunday worship and daily worship as it may be. Right? It contained the morning prayer. It contained the evening prayer. It contained the litany, the holy communion, and the occasional services, which was baptism and the confirmation and, and marriage and all the prayers that have to be said over the sick and, 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 and a funeral service. There was a list of all these prayers that were provided to the congregation. And this was called the Book of Common Prayer. People knew what to pray for. My parents, for example, they, they were born again, baptized. They came out of traditional Christian churches that practiced a form of worship like this. As soon as they got in, they knew what time service was starting. They knew what was going to happen next. They knew how many songs were going to be sung. And in many cases, it was the same songs that were sung almost every Sunday. And if not, they knew the order of songs. They knew how long it was going to take. They knew what time they were going to get out of church. Not like us. They knew what time they were going to get out of church. They knew that if they had a lunch appointment on Sunday, they were going to make the lunch appointment. If not, the pastor was fired. All right? So we grew up in churches like that. And that was the book of common prayer. We don't have a book of common prayer, but I'm guilty of it sometimes that we get caught up in worship to where worship can become very common. It, become, it becomes so common that we don't regard worship with the importance that we need to give to worship. In 2 Samuel chapter number 6, it's a passage of scripture that I have read so much. I have preached from this stage so much. And yet, as the Holy Spirit spoke to me about it last night, I threw my hands up in the air and said, God, not again. Why would you want me to preach from this passage yet again? And I want to remind you something. Everything I'm going to say today, you probably have not heard before. Uh, for me, not, not have not heard before. I don't want to make that blatant statement. You, I, you've not heard from me because the way I heard it from God was a fresh way that I've never heard it before. And that's the beauty of the word of God is when you submit yourself in worship and prayer and the reading of the word, God reveals things to you that you've never seen before. I've read the Bible so many times before from, from cover to cover. But this, this year, I'm, I'm really behind. For those of y'all who know, I'm really behind. But as I read it year after year, there is a new understanding and a revelation that God gives me as I progress through certain passages of Scripture. In 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we learn of this man called David in the Bible, and some of us are familiar with this name, and some of others are probably not. So I'll give you a gist of the story after I read this passage. So here's a beautiful opportunity. No verses on the screen. Uh, no, uh, you know, I'm going to just look at it. We've got to take our Bibles out. So let's, let's give a shout out to everybody that actually have their paper Bibles with you. Can I see it, everybody that have your paper Bibles? Woo, come on. Hey, give them a hand. Come on. Give them a hand. Hey. Good, good, good. Now, how many of y'all have your digital Bibles with you? That should be every. Come on, give them a hand. Come on. Give yourselves a hand. There you go. 
Hey, nothing wrong with either. Nothing wrong with either. We're not being hyper-religious like that, okay? But whatever form of Bible you have, can you please go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 6. And we'll begin with verse number six. And I'll kind of give you some backdrop after we read, but let's start at verse number six. And this is what the Bible says. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, so a group of people, the army, and a bunch of people are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God back in this time that we're reading it in. And the Bible says, Uzzah put his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. Hello, church. I am glad we don't live in those times anymore. I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. Amen. His anger was kindled because somebody messed with the presence of God. Verse 8. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And the place was called Perez Uzzah, or the breaking of Uzzah, to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told that King David, it was told to King David that the Lord had blessed the households of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. God, okay, now, now I, want, I want to jump to uh, John chapter 4, verses 23 real quick before I get into this. John 4. And verse 23, you're going to go all the way to the New Testament. I'm going to wait for you. John chapter number four and verse 23. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter four and verse number 23. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father's looking for those who will worship him that way. He is looking, listen to this, he's looking for those. Someone say he's looking for those. God looks for worshipers. I want to remind somebody that today. Don't just think worship is a passive thing. It's not. He is looking for worshipers. Someone say he's looking for me. He's looking for those who will worship him that way, in spirit and in truth. That's the way, in spirit and in truth. If anybody knows about this man called David, a lot of y'all know him as the shepherd. For some of us, we know him as a king. But in whatever way or form we know David, it's important to understand that David was somebody that God worked with and God intervened with and God had rendezvous with even before God took him to heights of fame and popularity and blessing per se. It's something that we have to understand in our personal lives and our spiritual lives is this, that God had to teach David privately before he even took him publicly. This is landmark because it is, uh, it is true for the Christian as well. You know, before David became anyone, he was a no one. 
Before David became somebody significant, he was somebody insignificant. I want to remind people today that seasons of aloneness are important. People, seasons of, uh, of, of, of darkness and seasons where nobody's around you and seasons where you don't have community and seasons where God is teaching you lessons and seasons of loneliness are seasons that God ordains in your life because it's in those seasons that God can reveal himself in such, so much more of a deeper way than when you're around people and have distractions. So many of the blessings that God gave David and the building up of David happened behind closed doors. A lot of what we see happen to David is, is public stuff. We see Goliath and we see, uh, we see Saul and we see all these triumphant entries and victories that God grants to David. But all of that is stuff that happens in the public, but not a lot of people know what David had to endure in his solace and in his private life. I want to remind somebody today that private victory comes before public victory all the time. Wherever you learn to win privately and whenever you learn to seek God's face privately, there is a promotion that God gives for each one of us. The thing about giftings and, and talents and what, what you have on the outside is that, is that your gift can take you places that your character cannot sustain you. See, a lot of people are gifted in many areas and you want gifting and blessing and gifting and blessing. You're like, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, and gift me, Lord, gift me. And when, you, when the pressure of the gifting and the pressure of the adoration, the presence, the pressure of the adulation comes upon you, man, there is this pressure to perform. And if you don't have Jesus, and if you have not met God in private, and if you have not formed your character in the presence of God when no one was watching, your gifting has the ability to crush you under the weight of pressure. So a lot of us, the world will tell us it's, 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 it's talent that's important. It's all of this, this fluff that's important when God reminds us, no, it's what I do with you in private that is so much more important. I'm encouraging some of us to go into solitude moments and moments of aloneness and moments of loneliness where you can embrace it and say, God, I want to use these moments to get closer to you so that you can shape my character so that when the moment of pressure comes, I will not crumble, I will not be crushed, but I will be able to sustain the weight of the pressure because character was already built. God had to teach him through private victories what it was to be humble, what it was to be a worshiper. Because for David, he knew that, man, I'm, I'm going to be in the spotlight soon. I'm going to see blessing soon. But if there's one thing that I can get right today is to know that I need to give God the glory and God the praise because without him, nothing would be possible. See, people will love you and praise you, but man, when you go back home at night and you look in the mirror, some of us hate ourselves because you know that that's not really you. Some of us, we, we perform at work and we're somebody else at work and we're somebody else at church and we're somebody else around your friends and you go back home and you go into this dark hole for some of us and some of us go back into the mirror and you look in the mirror and the smile that you had on an hour ago, man, that smile has disappeared and the real you comes out and the tears start rolling down and you're afraid that if you are who you are around the people that love you and around the people that know you, maybe they won't accept you. 
But here's the thing about character. You got to be the same person outside of the limelight that you have to be in the limelight because if you're somebody else outside of the limelight, I'm telling you something. If you're somebody else in, in your private life and you come outside in your public life and you try to be somebody else, it's going to crush you, church. David had to get that right. He couldn't forget that the worshiper that he was has to be the worshiper that he has to continue to be. But like a lot of us, David's fall under the pressure of fame. There are Davids among us that will fall under the pressure and the weight of social pressure and familial pressure and people that want us to do things that we don't want to do and to put up the face, we often put up our best face forward, but this here's a problem. All those people that require stuff, see, they love your gift, but if they really knew who you were, am I talking to somebody like they like what you bring to the table? They like what you do on the outside? They like what you have to offer, but if they really saw you and knew you, man, that was a different story altogether. But I want to remind somebody today, when your private and your public life can be the same, you can take a lot of pressure off your shoulders because it is the same that I was yesterday that I am today. So David has one resolve, that no matter where God takes me in my life, I want to make sure that I always seek the face of the Lord. Take me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit away from me, is the prayer of David. Not that I'm a man of influence on the outside, so I got to put on this persona. I got to put on this facade. I got to be this tough guy. I can't preach about God. I can't talk about God. I can't do this God stuff on the outside. But man, he was like, before you call me a king, call me a worshiper. Because that, my friend, is my identity. If you work on your character in private and ask God to shape you, trust me when I tell you this, you don't have to be anything for anybody. Step out of your prayer room and let the world see the real you. And they will probably meet God. We put so much of pressure on ourselves. But I'm here to remind somebody today that who you are is more than what you do. Who you are is so much more important than what you do. Don't listen to the world that says, man, you have to do and do and do and do. Because a lot of us, we find value in what you do and what we do, like performances and, and what we say and what we perform and how we do. And how, but, but, but we haven't become what God intends us to be because we have this idea of what God wants us to do and what we want to do and what we want to become. We are more human doings than human beings. In Acts 13, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says he found him. The Bible says he found him after his own heart. That's, it's amazing. God will find a worshiper in the middle of a huge place. It doesn't matter if it's a small church like ours. It doesn't matter if it's a mega church. It doesn't matter if it is a huge ocean full of people worshiping a true worshiper. God will look at it and say, that worship is coming from the heart. It's not a facade. It's not a Sunday morning thing because a lot of us can be like that because that was me. That was me. I still remember growing up and I was, I was sitting in church one day, lifting up my hands and worship, kneeling. And I'd say this so much. I still remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, hey, Ashish, would you mind putting your hands down? And I'm like, oh, devil, I bind you, I rebuke you. And then I lifted my hands up again. The Holy Spirit said, put your hands down. And I'm like, devil, I told you, get thee behind me. 
the voice won't go away and the Holy Spirit said, no, it's me. I want you to, lift, I want you to put your hands down. It's like, Lord, why? The Bible says, lift your hands. I'm being very biblical here. I'm, this, is, this is worship. This is what, he says, where was this on Monday? He was, where was all these tears on Tuesday? Where was all these kneeling down on Wednesday and Thursday? Ooh. I was like, burn. That hurts a lot. Because we can do that on a Sunday morning. It's, it's possible for so many of us because that's what we're taught. It's common worship. It's common to do that. But I'm telling you, there's a worship that God pleased, was pleased with and there's a worship that God is not pleased with. There's a, there's a worship that God seeks after. There's a worship that God looks through. There's a worship that he looks at and says, man, that's a worshiper right there. That's a person that I will seek out. God notices worshipers. See, here's the thing about worship. When you pray, we go to God, but when we worship, God comes to us. You have to understand this. For those of us who, are, who, have, who have this very, very... Um, you know, naive understanding about worship. This, this worship thing is not something that we do. Like for those of us who miss worship here at church and, 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 and don't come to, to, to worship time and time. And I want to remind you something. If there's one thing that you give to God on a Sunday morning, I've said this before. Yeah, we give to God our money. We give to God our treasures and our talents and all that stuff. But more than any of that, if there's one thing that God gets from you, that's when you come into the presence of God and worship God. Do not rob God of that. Can I preach? Man, I remember the first time I let go in worship. I remember the first time that I, I looked at God. It was a few months after that experience that I had with the Lord where I had to go back in and search my heart. And I remember tears running down my face, ugly crying. But the first time ever that I felt completely free. Like you have no idea. The first time I didn't care about people around me. The first time I didn't care about, hey, is this something that I'm doing throughout the week that I'm doing here and replicating on a Sunday morning? First time that I, I didn't have guilt. I didn't have shame. It was the first time I knew that it was the same person that you see me during the week. The same person that my parents see me. The same person that my wife sees is the same person that is worshiping on a Sunday morning. That, that was a lot of pressure. Like, like I want to I remind you, sometimes we stand and worship, we stand in church and we, we wonder why, what people are doing? Why, why are they raising their hands? Why are they jumping up and down? And if you were here for the first time, you saw that we're an energetic bunch, or most of us are. <laughs> like I was singing out of tune, like Jeff and I, we were standing next together. Man, we were singing in like, like uh, pitches that are not even like uh, human. Okay, both of us, we were competing with one another. It's not our gifting, but you know what? We do it anyway. Because you get to that point where you're like, I don't care. You're like slapping people around you. I'm like, so. You don't because here's the thing, y'all. Like never judge someone's worship because you have no idea where they've been, what they're going through or what they're going to go through. And that's my life. When I worship God, I know where I've been and I know that it's worship that has got me through the fire. It's worship that has got me through those giants. It's worship that got me out of the snare of the followers. Come on, somebody. It's worship that made sure that God gets close. It's worship. 
It's worship. So never will you ever find me judging somebody for the way they worship. If you don't worship, I'll encourage you to worship. But if it's a Hannah that just cries and cries and cries in the presence of God, I'm never going to look at her and tell her to get up and, and sing because only she knows what she's going. Come on, am I talking to somebody today? David finds his identity in worship. Whew. See, it's people like, that, that, like, like David that uses worship to process pain. He's our model for worship. I don't know how many of us, we carry around pain in our lives. We carry around so much of hurt in our lives. And man, like I, like I said, worship is that moment that God comes to you. And the word of God reminds us over and over again, cast your burdens upon me because what, Richard, I what? I care. And in worship, when he approaches, when you say, Jesus, when you lift up the name of Jesus, when you say blood of Jesus, when you give him glory, when you say all the saints bow down, and all, like, like when you are glorifying Jesus, Jesus has nothing else but to step off that throne and come to your need. But so many of us stand with our arms crossed. We stand closed. We stand so snub. We're, 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 we're totally not wanting to allow God to come near us. But David uses worship to process pain, man. Here's a man that was rejected by his father, that was hated by his brothers. Here's a man that's learned to embrace the presence of God. And if you listen to the Psalms and you listen to what he's saying, he's like, Lord, restore me, God. I've sinned, God. I've fallen short, God. People have ostracized me. People put me down, God. I am running shameful, God. But Lord, you're the lifter of my head. Some of us wonder, what do I do, pastor, in worship? Come into the presence of God and look to him and have conversations with him. What do I do in prayer? Talk to your father in heaven. Worship should be a place. Read the Psalms. It will tell you exactly what I'm telling you. But worship is a place where you can exercise your pain in a healthy way. Express your pain in a healthy way. Here's the thing, pain will drive you to something beyond you all the time. For some people, it's substance abuse. For some people, it's, it's relationships. For some people, it's jobs. For some people, it's cities. I know people that have that just jumped cities and cities and cities and cities to try to find peace. With his relationship with the world weakened, his relationship with God deepened. Like if some of us are wondering, how do I get my worship on, Pastor? Like, like tell me how you were, tell me how you get, how, how are you having a pep in your step? Man, two weeks into fasting, you have strength like that? Oh, I sure do. Because in the presence of God, there is no weakness, y'all. Don't think that all of us have it together. Like just because these worship leaders and Alex is like singing and jumping and, you know, Jenny's like worshiping. You think that their lives are all rosy? Like, you think that they have, like, a fat bank balance? Like, you think Alex is, like, the richest man on earth? Like, he might be. I'm not saying, like, he has, like, this. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're not, Alex, but I'm just, he has this amazing business now, so I have no idea, you know, where he's at. But, but I'm just saying, 
It's not because we have it all together that we have or I proclaim the way. The good news is I, I have issues. Alex has issues. Jenny has issues. And, and all of us have issues. People on the, on the stage have issues, but we choose to worship through our pain because, man, we know that worship transcends us from the pay, place of pain to the place of comfort and strength. Worship doesn't erase our problems. It gives us strength to sustain our problems. I want us to be encouraged this morning. Be lost in worship. Give worship importance, church. Not just on Sunday mornings in your life. I think worship is important. Oof. My circumstances shouldn't dictate worship. My worship should dictate my circumstances. Not everybody who worships have perfect marriages. And I know like days like this where you don't have lyrics. Oh man, I can't worship God today. But what was your worship? Like what was it rooted on? Was it the lyrics? Like if we don't have drums one day, is it, is it okay? Like if, are we going to still worship? We didn't have a band. Are we still going to worship? If the worship team just keep quiet, will there be awkward silence in this place? Like what is it? I believe that everybody that's up here that's worshiping, like there's no tomorrow. Man, they're going through hell and yet they're clapping and spinning and kneeling on the ground. Why? Because they don't allow their circumstances to influence and affect their worship. They allow their worship to affect their circumstances and look at your circumstances and say, no, 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 you came to defeat me today. You came to put me down today. You came to drag me down today, but not today, Satan. I'm gonna get my worship on because when I worship, my God draws near to me. When you begin seeing worship just for what it is, when I worship, God draws near to me, your complete understanding of worship drastically changes, church. When I place my burdens on him, ooh, my mom would always say that. We'll be running late for church and be like, I do not want to miss worship. <laughs> like she's watching online now and she will tell you if there's one thing that she got mad about on Sunday mornings and she wouldn't hesitate to give me a whooping about, it was because I wouldn't take her to church on time. Be like, I'm late because of you. Some of you are like poking your wife and your husband like real frantically right now. God loves worshipers. Isaiah 43 and verse 21, the Bible says this, the people who I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. Can I talk to somebody right now? That, it's simply put that way. People will tell you, oh, we were not created to worship. I don't know where you get it from here, from Isaiah 43. Let me read it again. The people who I created, I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. Church, we were created to worship. Ooh, come on, somebody. We were created to worship. Somebody say, I'm I was created to worship. We will create every time you worship, you are fulfilling your purpose and your calling. I'm going to repeat that for those of you. Every time you get into the presence of God and you worship God, you are fulfilling the purpose that you were created on this earth for. You begin to walk in your assignment every single time you raise a worship to God Almighty. Come on. Though David started strong in his heart, man, he was a worshiper in his heart. He knew what worship meant. Even though he was a king, he was a worshiper. But many of us, like many of us, his heart starts to wander. The presence of God becomes common to him. 
with roles and responsibilities and the, the crown, the weight of the crown weighing down on him, there is a chance and the possibility with the busyness of work and the promotion and the kids' clubs and the practices and the stuff that we need to take them to and date nights and investment into marriages and keeping up with friends and watching the Kardashians. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. I, I, I said keeping up with, and then I was like, the Kardashians, for sure. Let's throw that in there too. But we didn't hear any amens because you know you watch them. But in the middle of all of that, worship becomes uncommon, y'all. It becomes very common, y'all. And I want to pull us back into uncommon worship. I want us to come back into what uncommon worship really means. And see, any good thing can become common. Your brand new car will become common one day. You're going to stop, you're going to stop washing that car. You're like buffing it up every day and then... One year down the line, that thing has not seen water in like four months. Sonia's like saying amen because she knows that's me. <laughs> See, y'all think I'm preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to me, y'all. Anything can become insignificant. Your relationships can become insignificant. The same wife that you go and open the door to every you buy flowers for every week. And then she gets fired. Don't even. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to me, y'all. Anything that becomes insignificant and common can lose value. It's lukewarm. That's what the Bible talks about. You're lukewarm. It's not hot. It's not cold. It's not amazing, it's not, it's, it's neither amazing, it's not terrible, it's just cute. For a lot of us, we're okay with cute worship. I'm just coming to the presence of God, and I'm just going to be like worshiping, I just want to get my worship on, and then after a few songs, I'll just sit down, because I'm going to be like in my zone, just. I don't want cute worship at Commission Church, y'all, like, we're, we're not cute worshipers. Sorry, sorry. I, I can give you a list of churches. No, I'm just kidding. That, that <laughs> I am just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, the problem with David was David saw the presence of God in the ark as a super weapon, like a weapon of mass destruction. He stopped seeing the presence of God as the power of God and what ushers in worship and the presence of God that, that, that saturates. So he stopped seeing it that way and he started seeing it as a weapon that could cause destruction. Because if I could go into this history, he, he's, he's seen this, this in, in, in different places causing destruction and harm and everywhere. This was the instruction of God. I'm going to break this down. The instruction of God was this. Take this ark which has my presence everywhere you go. And every place you go to, you will have victory. God is going to bless you. God is going to honor you. You know what happens out of nowhere? The Philistines kind of catch on to this. Their enemies, the enemies of the Israelites catch on to this and they were like, we can't let them keep winning. And they knew exactly what the formula was. This particular thing is causing them to win. So what do they do? They steal the Ark of the Covenant. They steal the Ark of the Covenant. They're like, we got this. Huge history behind this. 
okay? They, they go into, they go back. David says, I'm tired. We need the Ark of the Covenant back. So they take the Ark of the Covenant back and then they bring it to the house of this man and, and he, they, they put, it, put it in there. And the, the name of this man was Abinadab, okay? Before this story even happened. This man called Abinadab in 1 Samuel, they put it in his house and it was there for years, decades, that this Ark of the Covenant was there. Think about it for a second. Years and years and years go by without the presence of God, the manifest presence of God being present in the house of Israel. And suddenly David says, you know what? We need to bring the ark back. That happened in the time of Saul. We got to bring the ark back. So David says, come on, let's get an army together. We're a mighty army. He takes an army together, goes into the camp. He takes that ark out, brings it out of there. And on the way out, so on the way out, this guy, Abinadab, it's in his house. His sons look at it and say, hey man, we're good. We, we, we got this. We, we'll help you. So they take a cart, literally a cart on wheels. They take this ark and they put it on the ark. I want you to listen. This ark that was supposed to be on the shoulders of men and women that love God. In today's context, I'm, I'm telling you, you and I, priests, in that context, priests that was supposed to hold the ark of the covenant on their shoulders and walk, this ark became so common that David didn't flinch because when they said cart, he was like, oh, okay, cool, because he's been away from it for that long. Don't be so unfamiliar with the presence of God that you don't know what is right and wrong. I'm not talking to somebody like some of us need to understand that the presence of God is sacred and we got to honor the presence of God with everything we have. And we have to start with coming to the presence of God and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. How many of us come and start off? It's, we're, not, we're not worthy to be in the presence of God, but at least admitting and saying, God, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Long story short, and that's what we pick up from this verse. This ark is taken over this place. This, it says a threshing floor. And we'll come to that in just a second. And, and it comes over the threshing floor. And as soon as it comes over the threshing floor, Uzzah, and his name means strong one. The strong one who grew up around this ark. He played around this ark for 20 years. Him and his brother Ahio. It was in their father's house. So that familiarity. Oh, it's my father's my, it was in our house, so I got this. Y'all don't have to worry about it. I got my muscle. He goes and holds it, and the Bible says God's judgment came down just like that. I'm going to come to that in just a second, but I kind of wanted to give you, like, like his, his, there's, there's so many things to kind of like break down over here, but when David saw that the ark was just a, like, a, like a weapon more than the presence of God, that's where stuff began to go down. The enemy steals the ark. Like, why were they not even protecting it in the first place? Worship can become so common for us that we don't protect it. I want us to, like, read into what I'm trying to say. Like, the enemy steals it. Why weren't there soldiers? Why weren't there people around? Why weren't there priests? Why weren't there? I have so many questions, but worship just became like this thing. Like a, like a weapon, like a spear or a bow or an arrow. But, but today God is looking at some of us and saying, man, you've got to, got to protect anything that's valuable. Worship has become so common that it's lost its value that we don't see the need to protect it. I've given God a promise in our church that we will protect worship with everything we got. We will give importance to worship with everything we got. 
I want some of us to protect what we have in our lives as Christians. I want some of us to protect our marriage. I want some of us to protect our integrity. I want some of us to protect the stuff that God has put in your heart, like purity. Can't get casual about these things. Protect your heart of worship because the enemy is always on the prowl trying to steal your heart of worship. Sometimes you go through those highs and those lows and those highs. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The moment you go through those lows is those moments that the enemy is trying to steal what you have. Trying to steal the presence of God away from you. Why did the enemy try to steal it? Why did the other guys try to steal it? Not because they wanted the ark, but they wanted what God did through the ark. They were like, oh, the ark brings victory. Let's bring the ark here and let's make sure God gives us the victory. See, the enemy didn't want God. They wanted what God could do through them. This is, this is important through it. This is important because so many of us, we live off the praise and we live off the worship and we live off the praise and the, and the, and the, and the, and the prayers of our parents and people of faith that went before us. For some of us, it's our parents. For some of us, it's our spouse. Oh, our, our, my, my spouse is praying. My spouse calls everybody for prayer. My spouse prays every single day, so we're good. No, no, no. This is important as, as a community to come together. It's important as a family to come together. You can't just rely on what's being given or what, what's out there. See, I need God more than what he can do for me. I need God. I, I need him. Don't separate God's blessing from God. This is a cardinal sin that we can, that, that we can make. Please don't. Like the same blessing that he gave you has the potential to destroy you if you separate God from your blessing. God's blessing will give you a house. God's blessing will give you a spouse. God's blessing will give you a kid. All these things are God's blessing, but God will give you a house, but only God. If God remains in the equation, can he make it a home? God can give you children, but, but only God can make them arrows in your hands. God's blessing will give you a spouse, but only God can give you the love inside of you to love her. Blessing can grow this church, but God's hand is important to sustain a church. God became common for them. I don't want God to be a 911 emergency number that we call. I want God to be the center of everything we do. I want Jesus to be the center of our church. We want to be Bible-based. We want to be spirit-led. We want to be Jesus-centered in every single thing that we do. I want to know God, and I want to be known by God. That's what worship is, church. Band, you guys can get ready to play me out here. But the Bible says, man, there's these oxen that, and a cart that the Ark of the Covenant was put on. And the Bible says, like I said, it was supposed to be put on the Levites and the priests, but they put it on a cart. See, this building isn't anointed. These lights... This screen at the back isn't anointed or it would have worked today. <laughs> Am I talking to you? Like, like, all of this stuff is things, stuff. But you know what our problem is as a church? Is that we put emphasis on stuff. And we expect stuff to drive the presence of God. Things to drive the presence of God. Wheels to drive, programs, structures, sheets. 
The building is anointed. The lights and the screen or the drums are not anointed. The anointing is in you. It was so common that David was okay putting it in an oxen. Here's the thing. The moment you equate what you have with God or the presence of God in your life, man, with the blessing, hashtag blessed, man, the house you have with God being in your life or the job you have with God being in your life, man, you're going down a slippery slope. But I want to encourage you today to have God and put God at the center of everything that you do. Because the moment you equate what you have with God's presence in your life, you have traded God for an idol. When you take God from you and put it on these things, you, your purpose of worship gets squashed. All of this other stuff begins to get your worship. I worship God in theory, but now I'm worshiping these things because I'm equating these things to the blessing of God. You play, we've replaced God with, with stuff. But I want to remind you, God doesn't dwell on stuff. He, he dwells on His people. Like need I remind us of Exodus 25, 8, which says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. And the Bible reminds us that we are the temple of the living God today. And I want to remind you, God wants to live inside of you. Don't seek after blessing, seek after Him because blessing is the byproduct of God's presence in your life. He wants to sit on your shoulders. So they walk over this threshing floor. The, the threshing floor is critical to the Christian. I'm gonna finish with this. The threshing floor is probably the most important part of the story because the word used over there is literally a hard place. It was this big like you would in today's language you'd probably say concrete pad but it was this huge pad that was hard it was a piece of stone literally a huge piece of stone that these guys purposefully went over traditionally that wouldn't be a passage you would take you would avoid that but God made them pass over it can I tell, tell y'all something today this is, this is what the Holy Spirit told me and, and I wrote it down and I want you to write this down it's only in a challenge that you find out if he's really on you or he's on your stuff. It's only in the middle of a challenge that you'll find out if God is on you, if he's with you, or if he's just on the stuff that you want him to be on. If you hit a hard place, know that as long as the presence of God is upon you, man, he is not gonna cause your foot to dash up on the stone. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't matter what stone you hit, no matter what. Trust me, if your trust is in chariots and in horses, those horses and those oxen will fail and stumble and trip and fall. But if the presence of God is on your shoulders, I want to scream it out from the mountaintops. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will fight your battles. He will be with you. Lo and behold, I will be with you even till the end of time. That is His promise. The threshing place was where they would take all the wheat and they would, they would literally smack it in the ground and the shaft would separate from the wheat. Uzzah tries to stabilize the ark and God's like, man, if this presence has to mean anything, 
to your community and where you want to take this. And I want to remind us as a church, we've been through a lot of breaking this past year. We've been through a lot of breaking in our first few years as a church. And a lot of this breaking, we've had, we've had chaff. We've had chaff that, that just dissipates. And we got to be okay with that. Because that's the process in which God says, I am setting you apart. I am making you holy. Someone say, make holy. Would you stand up to your feet with me, church? Some of us like Uzzah, we're trying to flaunt our strengths in the presence of God. God's like, man, I don't need to see your resume. I know exactly who you are. I don't need to see your resume. I don't know. I, I know who you are. And if you're doing this for others, you don't have to because I'm going to take that away from you. That's one thing that he had going on for him, his strength. That's what he was known by. And God's speaking to some of us and saying, man, I don't need your strength. I need your weakness. Like that was what was wrong with that worship equation was that they brought a strong man into the presence of God in worship. We don't need strong men. I, I'm asking us. We don't need strong men. We don't need, the talent is great and all this is amazing, but we don't need strong men. We don't need strong, talented men. I, I don't care if my diction is great. I don't care if I can be the most profound communicator. I don't care about any of these things. I don't need that on my resume. Pastor Oshish is one of the best Christian communicators. No, 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 no. I don't. If somebody can say Pastor Oshish is a man after God's own heart. all these plaudits, all these medals, I will lay it down. I will lay it down any day to trade it for God looking at me on one day and saying, well done. My eyes scan to and forth for the earth for worshipers. And this is the worship that I'm, I'm pleased in. In John, he says, those who worship in spirit and in truth, forgetting about everything else. I want us to be a, a church that knows that if we give God worship, God will come. He will come. Stop holding yourself back. What is holding yourself back? What is holding you back? Like lay it at the altar and say, God, would you take complete control? We're going to be available for prayer here. I'm going to ask our prayer partner, Sonia's going to be available for prayer. If one of you guys are not serving today, if y'all could be available for prayer as well, that'd be great. But here's, here's what I'm pleading with you. In worship, I pray that we will be able to unravel, that we will be able to just open ourselves up to all our weaknesses and put it at the feet of Jesus. Let's make worship uncommon. Am I talking to somebody like, Let's be fed up with the common. Let's be fed up with the mundane, with the use, the usual, the, the book of prayer, the, the, the order, the structure, and say, God, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let go. We were talking about this yesterday. Like some of us, we'd have no idea what to do when the Holy Spirit just starts moving in this place. I'm, I'm just being very honest. This is a very blunt moment. Can I, can I be, 
I would love to talk about this. Some of us have no idea what to do. It might be that when the worship team stops singing and, and no one's singing through the mic and you're like, oh, what do we do? Do we sit? Do we stand? Do we raise hands? Do... Process pain. Sing your song. That's a moment of worship. Like you don't need circumstances to lead you into worship. You don't need circumstances to dictate your worship. If these lights go off and if these instruments go quiet, I want to see the most powerful form of worship in this place where signs, wonders, and miracles will happen because worship is not on strings. Worship, these are all instruments. It's literally instruments, but worship begins from the inside. That is what God is pleased with. So in moments of quiet where nobody knows what to do, start singing your song. Start singing about what happened yesterday. Start telling him about what you were upset about your husband yesterday. Start telling God about that and start reminding yourself and always put your problem with the promise. Am I talking to somebody? You can worship God when you know the word. Every song that we sing in worship is rooted in the word. Am I talking to somebody? Like I make sure that our worship team will not sing songs that don't, are not biblically sound. Everything comes from the word. If you know your word, songs will automatically come out. Lord, this is my problem, but you are my solution. Oh, come on. In moments of quiet, learn how to worship God. Over these last two weeks, God's given me a song. Like I'm singing this like in the hallways. I'm singing it, I'm singing it here. It's like a, it's a song not even in English. That's a weird thing. I would never like come up with a song in my own native language. But in prayer, like God revealed to me like a few words in my own native language. The language that I grew up with, my parents, my parents' language. And I've just been singing. It's just one line and I've just been singing it. And translated to English, it means to see your face, oh Lord. That's all I want to do. Last two weeks, I've just been singing that song. And you have no idea how God has visited with me in such a supernatural way. We're gonna spend some moments in worship. If you, know, you wanna linger, just worship for some time. We're not in a rush. If you wanna go check your kids out, bring them back here, you're welcome to do that. But I'm gonna have the worship team just continue in a moment of worship. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the benediction. I'm gonna allow you to leave but if you feel in your heart that you would like to linger for a few more minutes and just be here in the presence of God would you consider doing that because I believe in my heart there is healing there's breakthrough and if y'all need prayers Sonny's going to be here I think Jeff and Vicky are going to pray so just go ahead and just pray and whoever it is that's part of the prayer team just come and just surround people today if you need prayers don't stand where you are like I said when you come God will come God will visit Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, as we surrender ourselves in full worship and in complete abandon, I pray, God, that you will reign in the praises of your people. I pray more of Jesus, less of us. Hide us. Hide our insecurities. Hide our pains. Hide all the stuff that we're going through today. And I pray that our circumstances will not dictate our worship. Our worship will affect our circumstances. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Our glory and honor be unto you. We give you praise. We give you glory. Let us be a house of worship. Let us be a house of miracles. Let us be a house of, 
of, of, of tangible and Lord, just extraordinary signs, wonders, and the hand of God moving in this place. We thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. Church, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance your direction. May he give you peace that passeth all understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.